Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the recordings of a fangirl, hashtag sarcasm, NFL edition. On this Wednesday, the 19th of October, if I can literally believe that it's the 19th already, 2022. Okay, so it's been so far up to this week, week six of 18, a crazy, crazy NFL season. Like literally it's bazonkers. I, I, predictions are literally out the window right now. Um, which I can't believe, but anyway. So here's the standings right now as we stand here today. The Bills are five and one. The Jets, the New York fucking Jets, are four and two in second place. Dolphins and Patriots are both three and three. Who, what world am I in? Okay, what world am I in? I'm going to say that a lot today. Next is the Chiefs are in for, or are tied pretty much for first with the Chargers. At four and two. The Broncos are two and four, and the Raiders are one and four. Next, it's the Ravens and the Bengals tied for first, both three and three. And then Browns and Steelers are tied for last place at two and four. The Titans and the Colts are tied for first place at three and two. The Jaguars are two and four, and the Texans are one and three. Now, the next division, the National Football League. You have the Eagles, 6-0, and the only undefeated team. You have the New York fucking Giants at 5-1, second place. Who, what world am I in? What world am I in? <laughs> what world? You have the Cowboys at 4-2 and two and the Commanders at 2-4. and four. You have the Rams, the 49ers, and the Seahawks all tied for first place, 3-3. Three and three, And then the Cardinals, 2-4. and four. You have the Vikings in first place at five and one, and the Packers are three and three. What world am I in? You have the Bears two and four, and you have the Lions one and four. You have the Buccaneers and the Falcons tied for first place. Okay, so Tom Brady is tied for first with the freaking Falcons without Matt Ryan, by the way. What world is this? Saints two and four, Panthers one and five. All right. So obviously I made predictions and now all those freaking ass predictions, like everybody else's prior predictions are out of the water because, well, first of all, the only one that's, that, that's right now has stood the test of time here is the Bills being in first place. Because yeah, I had the Chiefs in first, but they're tied. I had the Bengals in first place, but they're tied. Um national i had I, I had the eagles in first place so that's correct um i did not expect the rams the 49ers and the seahawks to all be tied i had the packers in first place not the vikings i had the packers in first i have aaron Rodgers winning the mvp right now that's out the war that's out the window right now the Bucks in first by themselves. I did not expect the Falcons to be three and three. Right now, six games in here. So the games. Let's do week seven. So tomorrow, Thursday night football, which has become like so freaking as boring. 
boring, 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 boring. And terrible to watch. I don't know why they signed up with Amazon Prime. I don't know how much fucking money they got for it, but please don't do it next year. <laughs> if you did, cut your contract or make it something else because holy crap, these games are pitiful. Saints versus Cardinals. I'll pick the Saints. Then you have Browns versus Ravens. I picked the Ravens. This is Sunday. Panthers and Bucks. I picked the Bucks. Bengals and Falcons. I picked the Bengals. Lions, Cowboys. I picked the Cowboys. Giants and Jaguars. I picked the Giants. Packers, Commanders. I picked the Packers. Colts, Titans. I picked the Colts. Texans, Raiders. I picked the Raiders. Jets, Broncos. I picked the Jets. Yes, you heard me. I am picking the Jets. The Broncos are a mess. Like I told you in the beginning of the year, this is this was my prediction. That everybody thought that, oh, the Broncos got Russell Wilson. They're going to win the Super Bowl. Now they know. No, nope. Not even close, people. I told you it wasn't going to work out with Russell there. I told you all. And now he's hurt. So. But the Jets are on like a high. Now I'll get into the Jets in a moment because I have a problem with certain things. So I hope it doesn't come to fruition. But and I'll get in the Giants later too as well, obviously. Chiefs first 49ers. I'm picking the Chiefs. Seahawks, Chargers. I'm picking the Chargers. Steelers, Dolphins. I'm picking the Dolphins. Bears, Patriots. I'm picking the Bears. And then um and then we have that's Monday Night Football, by the way, the Bears, Patriots. And then you have week eight, just to throw it in there, Ravens and Bucks for Thursday night football, which is going to stink. <laughs> anyway, okay. So, I mean, there were some really good games last week. Um, obviously, I'll go into the Giants game, and I'll talk about the Jets game. But I'm just trying to think, what other game was the one that I wanted to talk about? Um, oh, well, the Bills and Chiefs, obviously. Um, let's do the Bills and Chiefs first. Um, so let's get to the first quarter. Um, you had an interception. So Mahomes threw an interception. He's running wild. It was third down, whatever, third and goal. And he throws an interception into the end zone. Why he just didn't run that out of bounds is beyond me. Um, let's go into the second quarter. You had a 42-yard touchdown by Juju. So, I mean, that was pretty good. I mean, of course, there's Mahomes scrambling again. But he had, you know, and then you would think that on that play that Juju was going to um, be taken down on that play. He ran right to the end zone. So that was good. Then Mahomes gets sacked. Okay. Not surprised. Then another sack. Von Miller sacks him. All right, not surprised. Then you had a 34-yard completion pass by Josh Allen. I will talk about Josh for a little bit. Uh, that pass was that pass was great. Um, that pass was just remarkable. Um, and then a 34-yard touchdown pass. Um, that throw he made there to number 13 was great. It was awesome. Um, 62. Here's the thing that I was like, wow, a 62-yard field goal was made by Harrison Buckner, Buchner, Butker, Bucker, is that how we say his last name? 
that was fucking hot. That was remarkable. I was a 62 yard is really hard to make people. I mean, come on. Uh, let me get into the third quarter. Um, 17 yard touchdown pass by Josh Allen. It was second and five on this play too. I mean, just remarkable like how he connects with his receivers. Um, now we get to go third and goal about on the, what the five yard line. Mahomes throws a touchdown pass. Um, that throw was really good too, obviously. Um, then Harrison again made a 44 yard field goal. Um, and then here's where in the fourth, the fourth quarter with two minutes left and what does Josh Allen do? Run 16 yard, a spectacular rush for a first down, no less. And then he throws with one minute and nine seconds, Josh Allen throws a 14 yard touchdown to, I believe it was Knox, who I just happened to put in that week, last week, in for, um, uh, in my fantasy team, because I had people sitting with buys. That was great. That was great. So let's go to the, let's go to the Giants game first. And I just break down the Giants game. Um, remarkable game. First quarter. So let's get talk about this. So Daniel Jones gets sacked. Then you have um, the Ravens score first. Well, not really, but you have a 12 yard reception. I mean, Josh Oliver was pretty good. They could have intercepted that ball. That's what I wanted to say. They could have intercepted that ball. Then you have a 30 yard touchdown by Kenyon Drake. They did score first, but that was not till the second quarter, not the first quarter. Um, then you have a 47-yard kick return for the Giants. So this is where now special teams comes into play because the special teams was remarkable. Uh, they're, they're winning football games in every single section of the game. Special teams, offense, defense. I mean, they're hitting it all. Then you have a touchdown pass by Daniel Jones. So, I mean, now they tied it. Um, then we have um, you know, a 30-yard rush. I'm just trying to see what else happens during this game. Oh, um, so now Dexter Lawrence gets a sack. Sacking Lamar Jackson's hard. So... I'm trying. I'm watching film as I'm doing this, so don't don't mind me. You have a sack fumble by Patrick Queen. Second quarter at the end of the game, so it's it's pretty much at the end. Nothing really happened. Nothing transpired by that. Then um, Daniel Jones gets sacked again in the third quarter. Um, the offensive line really broke down there for that for him in the, in this game. Um, then of course, now you have to worry about Lamar Jackson running and what does he do? He runs 25 yards in the third quarter. Now they're winning right here at this point where he's running. Um, they're winning 13 to 10 in the third quarter with a minute and 56 left. Um, the defense broke down there. 
but it didn't matter. Now they're winning 20 to 10, okay? Touchdown pass by Daniel Jones, okay? Great, great throw by Daniel Jones. Now, it's the fourth quarter, it's 2017. Here's the play of the game with three minutes left, okay? Julian Love has a 27-yard interception with three minutes left in the game. And then you get the touchdown by, by Berkeley with about a minute 46 left. But then you're thinking, okay, well, they're going to come back now. They're going to get the ball back. They have, they have enough time. It's Lamar Jackson. No. Their draft pick, okay, gets a sack and a fumble. A sack, fumble. Now, I cannot pronounce his name, and I don't want to screw it up, but he was the first pick of the Giants for the draft. Kayvon, is that what we, how we say his first name? Kayvon? Well, Kayvon did awesome. Not only did you sack Lamar Jackson, you got a fumble and a recovery. And that's how you win games. So they made up. They made up for some of their defense mistakes. The offensive line for the Giants has to be better because you can't have Daniel Jones get sacked that many times. Um, but they're a freaking five and one. Their coaching staff is tremendous right now. You have to be happy with it. And to all of you dumb Giant fans out there who still insist that the Giants draft the quarterback, are you not watching the games? Daniel Jones is your quarterback, people. Why are you going to waste draft picks on a quarterback when you obviously need some defensive players, you need another wide receiver or two <laughs> or a tight end? You need some other help to help Daniel Jones and also help on the defensive side of the ball and special teams. Don't waste a pick in a draft on a quarterback. And I'm going to tell you this, right now they're five and one. I cannot see them being in the top 10, let alone the top 15 picks of the draft. So you're not going to get a good quarterback in the draft anyway. Remember that. Okay. So let's do Jets. J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. <laughs> All right. Here we go. First quarter. So I'm going to do um, Quentin Williams has become a premier player now that we all knew he could be. We all knew it with a sack and a fumble in the first quarter with 11 minutes left in the first quarter. Okay. So now we're going to see the offensive line break down for the Jets because they broke down for the Jets and Zach got sacked. Broken play. Aaron Rodgers completes a 35-yard completed pass. What's expected? Of course. I expect that from him. But let me just talk about the Green Bay offensive line. They're, they're, ter they're, they're horrendous. They got to be better for Aaron Rodgers. You have to let Aaron Rodgers do his thing. They're not. Um, another sack for uh, on Zach because the offensive line stunk. Let's just be real. Now we get to sack in the second quarter about 12 minutes in with 12 minutes left. I mean, with 12 minutes left, uh, Sheldon Rankins gets a sack. Third quarter. So it's about 3-3, which is a boring game. Now we get another sack of Rodgers. 
uh, Franklin Myers gets a sack. Now, here's where Zach cooks. 41-yard completed pass. He does his thing. Corey Davis caught it. Now, that was a little underthrown, but Corey Davis went to the ball and caught the ball. Okay. Then you have a 20-yard touchdown to Barrios with this, you know, reverse trick play thing. Because once Braxton gets on his jets, pun intended, you're not stopping him. He runs so freaking fast. Um, third quarter, six minutes left. Jets are up 10 to three. Another sack by Quentin Williams. Um, then you have a blocked punt, 20-yard scoop and score by Will Parks. Special teams. Special teams. Okay, 17-3 Jets. A 25-yard touchdown pass now by Aaron Rodgers. So now you see Aaron doing his thing. Okay. Fourth quarter, 35-yard touchdown by Brees Hall, who I told you is an elite player in this league right now. I've said it before. He, he is definitely an elite player in this league. No question. Okay. And he does a little you know, Lambo leap into the Joe of the Jets fans. Um, again, I will say with, um, with Sauce. So Sauce Gardner three tackles, three important tackles. I'm not going to call him elite yet, but he's getting damn close to being an elite player. And I know that um, Elijah Moore complained about not getting um, looks. He got nothing. He wasn't in receiving. He wasn't, you know, you had Corey Davis, two receptions. You had CJ, two receptions. You had Coughlin, one reception. Garrett Wilson, one. Michael Carter, one. Braxton, one. Brees Hall, two. You had Michael Carter have six carries. You had Brees Hall, 20 carries, 116 yards. Michael Carter was six for 41. So, and then let's see, kick returns. Braxton was one for 29, and then a punt return three receptions for 34. So, and I know Elijah Moore complained, but I'm going to say this. Yes, he has talent, but I've said it all along. He's not an elite wide receiver. Garrett Wilson's the elite receiver. I mean, obviously, Brees Hall is, is elite too, but I would put him more as a running back, a running back than a wide receiver. But in any case, I don't feel that Elijah Moore is an elite player. I think he's a wide receiver three, and he should be getting looked at. But like I said before, the Jets coaching staff does not know how to utilize their team and their players and their talent. It's not like the Giants coaching staff. You see the difference between both coaching staffs right now. The Giants got their coaching staff. They know how to utilize their talent. The Jets have no clue what they're doing. And I'm going to tell you this. They did not win these games in a row because of their coaching staff. They won these games in a row because their players have talent and they're just balling out there. Difference. The Giants have won games because of their coaching staff. And the players. I do give players credit, yes. But it's more coaching on that side 
of New York team than it is on the Jets' side. Like, why wouldn't you give Elijah Moore any looks? He got no receptions. He was not involved in the game against Green Bay. And again, you're sitting Mims, who has talent. Why? You've got two tight ends. So um, you got Coughlin and CJ. Why bother? You're putting in two. So you're, you're going with a two, TD, uh, two tight end system. I, I, don't, I don't get it. But then again, maybe I'm not supposed to get it. But that's not what I would do. I would definitely be throwing the ball to Elijah Moore, without a doubt. Um, and I would put in Mims, too. He, he got legs. He could run, just like Barrios, but Barrios is faster. But I would still be using Mims. I would mix up Mims and Barrios on punt returns and kickoff returns. I would also use Mims in, in different situations, in different schemes. Okay. So let's just go over rankings. So obviously, Buffalo is number one. Philly is number two. We all know that. Kansas City is number three. Minnesota is now up three spots to number four. Cincinnati is five. So they're getting a little bit better. Dallas is six, which um, it's time for Dak Prescott. Is he coming back? We'll have to see how that goes. The Giants are ranked number seven. They were up there up like six slots. Baltimore is down now to eight. You got Tampa down now to nine. The Chargers moved up two to ten. Now let's see. The Jets are ranked thirteen now. They're up four spots. They were previously ranked number seventeen. So I mean, the young guys, Sauce Gardner, Brees Hall, are impacting every single game. You got Quentin Williams with the surging front four. Um. You got a good team. The Jets have a good team. They have the players. They just don't have the coaching staff. Now with the Giants, you got, I mean, they did have a good defensive plan, and they neutralized Jackson, and they only allowed the offense to wipe away a 10-point deficit in the second half. But the Giants are 3-1 and one in games in which they trailed in double digits so far this year. 3-1. and one. Remember that. That is huge. For a football team, that is huge. So we'll see what happens this week. Now, so if you saw on Twitter, I posted the slant root tree. Um, and I've been going over all different types of um, slant moves, right? Well, let me see now. Which one am I going to talk about today? Which one should I talk about today? Hmm. Let me think about this. All right, so how about I just talk about play action? So a play action pass is a play designed to look like a running play. The sequence starts when the quarterback receives a snap, either from shotgun formation or under center. Immediately after the snap, the offense blockers engage the defense at the line of scrimmage as if blocking for a run play. At the same time, the quarterback pretends to hand the ball off to the running back and then passes the ball to the wide receiver or the tight end downfield. This is also called a pass option play. All right, so I have pictures of it, but all right. 
the play action gets its name because the quarterback delays the pass until several seconds after the snap. This is why the offensive line needs to be good. You need to block so he can do a pass like this, so he can do the pass action play. With, with, a, with a horrendous offensive line, the quarterback has to get the ball out of his hands 1.8 seconds. He needs more than that to do this type of play. When running a pass action pass, the passer won't throw the ball until after the offensive line engages the defense and the running back has pretended to rush upfield with the ball. The scenario means that a pass action occurs after the play's action has already started. So for all those people that don't understand why it's called play action, that's what it's called. Um, and I can tell you how this was identified. In the 1930s, the historic Notre Dame coach Nut, Newt, <laughs> whatever, in the 1930s. I, I'm so bad at pronouncing names. So K-N-U-T-E is his first name. Yeah, okay, what a great name. Observed that the pass plays are more successful when the quarterback and receivers can hide the outcome of the play for as long as possible. He wrote that the most successful way of drawing out the play was to have the offensive lineman pretend to block a run play. The pass action play likely became popular in the years after the forward pass was allowed in football. The revolutionary change to the game occurred in 1906. In less than 25 years, football teams and coaches adopted the forward pass to become one of the more effective strategies in the game. So the first um, play action happened in 1940 in the NFL championship between the Chicago Bears and the Washington football team. The Bears used it in their historic T-formation offense to coast to a 73-0 victory. Oh, my God. So I, I, I still laugh at that number. At that time, most football fans would have called it a play fake. Since those early beginnings, the play-action play, play has only grown in popularity. Um, in, in the lead-up to the 19, 2019 Super Bowl, both the Rams and the Patriots found particular success using this play. Many football fans think that Tom Brady, then the quarterback for the Patriots, is one of the best quarterbacks to run the play. Okay. So, however, sometimes a play-action fake is so believable that the defense leaves the receivers wide open. In this case, a quarterback has complete freedom to throw a deep pass to an eligible receiver who has a clear shot at the end zone. The best potential outcome for a play-action play is a touchdown resulting in six, obviously. Okay, so there you go. Some quarterbacks, though, prefer to receive the snap from shotgun position when anticipating play action. After the snap and the fake off, a quarterback must drop back into, into the pocket to pass the ball. If the quarterback receives the snap while under center, this drop back may require them to then turn their back to the defense, making them vulnerable. By accepting the snap in the backfield, they avoid the risk and can watch the play develop. So there's so many different parts to play action other than just having the quarterback drop back and then throw the ball. And I see some people tweeting this kind of stuff, and I'm like, no, why? So why? Understand how it works. If fans understand how complicated it is being quarterback, you're not always going to blame the quarterback for when things go wrong. Because the offensive line is very important for the quarterback to do a play-action play. The offensive line needs to be in tip-top shape to do this type of play. 
Remember that. It's not just the quarterback. He needs to have his offensive line work, and he also needs the running back to run where he needs to go. The wide receivers and the tight end need to be on the part of the field where they need to be for the play to take to take action, to take part of the of the play. The play cannot just work out by you just telling him, okay, you're going to run over here, you're going to run there, I'm going to throw the ball here. That's not how it works. Some of you are just so uneducated in how football actually works, you blame the quarterback for every little thing that he does, like Daniel Jones. Now, let's, let's start getting a little smarter when we're watching these games. Like, Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback, but his offensive line right now is horrendous. His O-line has to get with it and, and hurry up. The cobweb should be rubbed off right now. You're going into what, week seven? Hello? Let's go. Anywho, that concludes your lesson for today on football. Um, so I'll think about what I'm going to do next week, but we'll see. So enjoy football. Fantasy football. I don't really have anything for if someone asked me. I'm like, who who would I take? Like, who should I put in and who shouldn't I put in? Hmm. I mean, the week seven waiver wire is where you're going to, where all of it is right now. Um, Okay, so by weeks that are about to hit different, week seven leaves us without the Bills, Rams, Vikings, or Eagles. This means your 2022 wide receiver one, Cop, Diggs, Jefferson, and A.J. Brown are all out. Um, so you're going to have to find some more of those lovely little people. <laughs> so here's some pickups. Pick up Myers. If um, Jacoby Myers, uh, George Pickens, uh, even in a game where Pittman, Dijon, Dijon, Dion Jackson, and Paris Campbell combined for 37 targets, the Colts rookie managed to draw seven of his own into the 49-yard and touchdown. So um, you got Robinson of the Giants you can pick up. You got Josh Reynolds. Um you even have some tight ends you can pick up if you can do that wide receiver, tight end, uh, running back option. You got Deion Jackson to pick up. You have Kenyon Drake, who I just talked about with the Baltimore uh, Ravens, to pick up. There are some even running backs you can pick up, Ryan, uh, Brian Robinson, if you need a running back. So look carefully at the statistics when you're picking guys up for your fantasy team. But other than that, now we're really going to get into the thick of things with bye weeks. So always make sure. That's why, like, when I pick my guys, I try not to pick that many guys that have the same bye week. Because then you're screwed. If you have to pick up five people for one week, it's, it's ridiculously hard. Um, so good luck to that, for those guys that have those, those problems. Anywho, this concludes the recordings of Fangirl for a football edition. Tune in on Friday for my NHL Recordings of a Fangirl, the complete Recordings of a Fangirl, with like every single segment 
So I'll have what's trending, I'll have what the buzz is, I'll have hockey IQ, I'll have datings and relationships, which my segment is called More Issues in the Magazine. Um, I'll have my rant. I'll have it all on Friday. So join me for Friday. And if you don't enjoy hockey, you will have to listen to my podcast. Because it's that's how awesome it is. I just will toot my horn, my horn there. <laughs> And congrats to the Yankees for beating Cleveland. I will just say this. When you act like an idiot on the field, like the Cleveland Guardians player who did, you know, rocking the baby thing after he hit the home run off Cole, you gave the Yankees, the ga- you know, you added to their fire. You added the gasoline to their fire. Because they didn't like that. They didn't like being shown up like that. That was very unclassy. That's why you lost. That, and I will say this, the rain, the rain out helped the Yankees. The rain out definitely helped them. They had an extra day. So now it's against the Astros. They're the underdog, but I'm going to tell you this. I think the Yankees are going to win in six. There's my prediction. There, I said it. Have a great rest of the week, y'all, and I'll see you all Friday.